Ready for some word now? Let's go to Psalm chapter 34. Psalms 34. I want to begin sharing with you a word, a message that will be helpful and beneficial all the days of your life. Help you to understand events and circumstances of life personally, uh, nationally, around the globe. Uh, there's a lot of confusion about things in, in this world, about why things happen, about how they happened, about what God's role was in them. And we want to look at the very character and nature of God and see how these things all fit together. Psalm chapter 34, notice with me in verse 8. Psalm 34 verse 8 reads, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Why don't you read that out loud with me together? Read it with me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Well, that's a good word, isn't it? The the Lord is not bad. (laughs) The Lord is... Good, good. Now go to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. And notice with me over here in verse 5. The mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. What is the Lord? He is good. He is ready to forgive. He is abundant in mercy. Aren't you glad we serve a God who is a good God, a merciful God? He's kind and generous and faithful and loving and compassionate. He is a good, good God. Now, when the Bible says, the, the Scriptures read here, that God is good, it's talking about His character, talking about His nature, the very essence of, of who He is, that God is good. Now, how many know that you would define, we would describe a good person because of the good things that they do? I wouldn't say, well, you know, so-and-so, they're really a good person. I mean, sure, they kill people occasionally. Um, sure, they're rude. They're you know they're mean. They're 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 uh, they talk behind your back. They steal stuff. They lie all the time. But you know, I mean, but, but seriously, they're really a good person. How many would say? Uh, uh, don't you don't you know that's a contradiction? Yet at the same time, in Christian circles, it is often accepted, uh, it, often a principle or a statement is acknowledged or accepted to be true, yet the belief in the outworking of that is contrary to the principle or the statement. Many times it is accepted in churches that God is good. Scriptures like this say it very plain and very clear. People will say, yes, God is good. Or if we're asked, is, do we serve a good God? Oh, yes, God is good. 
But there is a conflict in many minds when the practicality of that plays out in life. Because people have prayed and experienced chaos and tragedy and suffering and they have gone through a myriad of challenges in life. And so although many people will say God is good, they're not convinced. They're not settled on the inside of of God's goodness because they're trying to reconcile good God, bad life. God is good, good, good. We see it over and over again. We sing about it. We shout it. We agree to it. But tragedy, but junk, but a bunch of troublesome things in life. And yet we know we're supposed to say God is good. And what I want to help you to do, help all of us to understand, and and I want to help us to be able to reconcile those things. All right? Because there is the reality of who God is. His will, His nature, His love. That's just true, period. Then there is this world. There are the experiences that people have, good and bad. There are the circumstances that people live in, good and bad. And it's that gap in the middle where all kinds of things get said. All kinds of beliefs exist in the middle to try to explain the good God and the bad world. Everybody with me now? And many times a default statement goes something like this, by, you know, to give a quick answer to those in need. Well, God is mysterious. He works in mysterious ways. And that's how many times uh, difficult and misunderstood circumstances are explained. Basically, another way to say that is, you can't understand this. <laughs> God is just mysterious. Yeah, He did this to you. But I can't tell you why, and he's not going to tell you why either. So just accept it. That feels pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> that, that, that feels pretty good when you, when you just lost your job, or your child was born with a disease, or, you know, you, uh, you got a bad health report yourself, or you lost a, a friend or relative at a young age, and doesn't that just really satisfy you on the inside? Oh, okay, God's mysterious, I feel better now. the thing is so much gets made up there is so much stuff that is made up in an absence of revelation knowledge people come up to come to their own conclusions religion is real quick to step in and try to be the answer to everything by saying it's this or it's this or it's not and so many times they're just wrong answers they don't help They do not paint an accurate and correct picture of God. And they cause this almost hypocrisy to happen where we feel about ourselves when we say God is good. Yet our, yet just, just bunk going on everywhere. And we don't truly believe it. Everybody ready for some good stuff today? All right, I'm not going to get it all in today, but by the end of the day, I promise that everyone will have questions. (laughs) and you'll be forced to return (laughs) or live in confusion. (laughs) Look at Psalm 145. 
Let me go one, one scripture further here along these lines. Let's get well established in this. Psalm 145, verse 8. 8 and 9 actually. It reads, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all His works. Now that's quite a statement there. The Lord not only is good, but look, the Lord is good to to all. Who's that? That have to be all of us. And here again we run into situations where people think, uh, I don't know about that. I know I'm supposed to believe that. That's in the Bible. But good to all, that would include me. And I'm not sure God has been good to me. Is that a, is that a, a realistic question? Uh, uh, I think that, I, I don't condemn you for having that thought, but we want to fix it. And by the time we conclude, time we get through some of these things, we can all be absolutely sure and know that God has been good to us personally, consistently throughout our lives. All right? If you're not there, good. That's fine. I'm not asking you to take that step of faith with me yet. But I'll tell you what, you will conclude that God is good, that His favor is on you, that His love is toward you. Praise God. And so if you stick around long enough, long enough, I believe that you'll know of God's goodness toward your life. And when you understand that God is good, it will impact your relationship with Him. When we have times of praise and worship in a corporate way, what we do in here, you won't be staring at the wall. You won't be thinking about something else. You won't be just staring at a guitar player or something like that. You'll be enveloped and have an awareness of His goodness to you. It'll cause praise to come out of the inside of you. You'll look up before long and you'll say, Oh, what's my hand doing up there? (laughs) What's going on here? It's coming from the inside. And you know that God is good and you are drawn to Him so much more. Praise God. Now, have you ever been lied about? (laughs) So anyone ever told anything uh, about you to someone else that wasn't true? Maybe they questioned your motives. They questioned your intent. They questioned your your activity. Some of the things that you did. Well, if you've been lied about, we probably all of us have at some point or another. Uh, You know who's been lied about more than anyone? God has. Jesus has. The Lord has been lied about. So many false statements have been made about Him. I believe it's true with Him, though, like with most of us. I mean, I've been, uh, I've heard some things about myself that weren't true. And and I thought, you know, if if you only knew me, you'd like me. (laughs) You know, well, because I know me. I I know my intent and my motive. And, and, and I thought, if they, if they knew me, they want to be my friend. But they don't know me. They're believing something wrong. Isn't that true about you too? Yeah. I mean, no, that's true about the Lord more than anyone. If a person knew him, they would like him. They would love him. They would what? They would be drawn toward him, not repelled from him. Right? When a person gets an accurate understanding and revelation of, of God and His goodness, His character, His nature, all that He is, they want to be close to Him. 
But if ever what we hear or what we believe about God makes us want to back off, it's inaccurate. If ever you are interpreting a life experience and the end result of that shows God to be in a less favorable light, that He's not so desirable, then your interpretation of that circumstance is incorrect. If you knew Him, you would would be drawn close to Him more than ever. Because He is literally, this is true, He's good. He is a good God. How do I know? He does good things. He's not good in figurehead, good in position, good in theory, good in name, but he does a bunch of bad things. No, it's consistent with his very nature, who he is, and his actions. Know this, that the devil wants to get you to question God's love for you. That's the one of the enemy's prime, uh, primary objectives, is to get you to question the love of God toward you. Because in that, in the existence of that belief, you'll back off. You'll hesitate to walk and serve Him and live for Him. You'll back off from that relationship. But when you know for certain, no matter what you've seen and what you've experienced, that God loves you, you'll always go to Him. Run to Him and not run away from Him. Many people's perception of God is completely false. And what happens is, again, is is a failure to recognize God's goodness. It puts a wedge between you and He. There are many people today, across our valley, that are not serving God. They're not gathering in any church, any place with other believers because of a misunderstanding of Him. If they knew him, they'd be there in a minute. They would value it far more than sleep. <laughs> they, they, would, they would want to serve God if they knew him. The problem is, he's been misrepresented. The problem is, their view of him is incorrect. And he's not desirable to them now. And so, life goes on without him. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis, the third chapter. You know, Genesis is the book of beginnings. In the third chapter of Genesis, we see the first sin. We see an encounter that Adam and Eve had with a serpent. Okay, in other words, the devil inhabited the, the snake, the serpent. It said in verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, now notice, notice how the enemy came against her, and still this approach is very relevant for us today. He first of all, of all tries to get people to question what God has said. Has God said? He gets people to question what, what has been said, and basically to put that wedge in between there, to separate you and I from the goodness of God. Has God said this? And what's interesting about this is, is the language. He said, did God say that you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? How many know a perspective is key to understanding the heart and motive as to what's said? He didn't come to him and say, you know, you guys, there are a thousand trees in this garden that are amazing. They're awesome. 
crops, they're so good. The fruit is so good. And, and God said, you, didn't He say, you can have all of this except for that one little tree right over there. You can't have that. How many know that's putting things in a different perspective than, oh, what, God said you can't have them all? And isn't that the way our minds work sometimes and the way temptation comes? We get focused on all that we can't have. We get focused on all that we can't do. All that we're, that we're supposed to stay away from instead of looking at the magnitude of every good thing that God has provided for us. And just that perspective alone skews a person's view of God and they begin to think that, 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 that you know, He doesn't want me to have any fun. He doesn't want me to have what I want. Listen, dude, he gave you the whole stinking garden. <laughs> he gave you a myriad of things to enjoy, to improve your life. Have at it. But if he says anything, like stay away from this one, can you just forget about it? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We can magnify it and put all of our attention on it and it's going to get bigger. And so the, so the serpent here, misrepresenting what the Lord said... And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, of course, God didn't say exactly that. So she kind of, it seems that she added her own stuff to that. Maybe because God told Adam and Adam told her, and it didn't come, come through quite, quite right. He didn't mention the touching of it. Right? Just makes me want to think, I'm better off if I hear from God myself. <laughs> I'm better off if I have my own Bible. If I have my own relationship with God, than to hear everything about God through somebody else. Don't get me wrong, God will use other people. But don't be a second-hand person with everything that comes from God to you. He wants to talk to you personally. He wants to show Himself strong in your life. And if when you get alone with God and you know what He said for yourself, you won't misinterpret it and start adding things to it. Because people have a tendency to do that. Right? And that's what happened here. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Well, what's that? That's a blatant contradiction to what God said. Just dramatically opposite of what the Lord said. He said, in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And the enemy came in and said, nope, not going to happen. Well, those are the same strategies that are at work against our lives today. In, in, in this regard, uh, whatever you find a word from God, a promise from Him, the enemy is going to come immediately to try to counteract that promise, lest it comes to full fruition and shows up in your life. Okay, we've got to rid ourselves of this notion that if God said something, I experience it automatically. Many people have that belief. If God wants it to happen, if God said it would happen, period, I'm going to experience that. No, that's not the case. Okay, if that were true, why bother counteracting what God said? Why did Jesus say in Mark chapter 4 that when the sower sowed the Word of God, the Word of God was sown, that Satan came immediately to steal that Word, to take that seed? It's just not, it's not about whether the seed is scattered, whether the Word of God is spoken or said. It is about 
receiving that seed, protecting that seed, and allowing it to come into full fruition in our lives. Everybody with me now? Okay, so there is a process here between God said it and I experience it, and in the middle there, the enemy wants to rob it. He'll counteract it. He'll contradict it. If there's a promise of your healing, he'll say, not for you, not today, not in this situation. There's a promise for your life to go up and not down. The enemy will say, that's not true, or that's not true for you. Watch, you know, I'm not talking about being devil conscious or anything like that, but any thought that we have that contradicts the promise of God, the revelation of Jesus, needs to be cast down. We need to dismiss it because it's designed to uproot God's will from taking place in your life. Let me say it this way. It's designed to stop the goodness of God from showing up in you. Even though we say, and the Bible says plain and clear, that God is good and He's good to everyone. That's not the same as everyone is experiencing God's goodness. There is a disconnect. And many people are not experiencing the fullness of God's goodness in their life. And that's what we want to fix. Make sure he is never accused of doing something that he had nothing to do with. Make sure that we not only know that He is good, that His will, His plan, His purpose for our lives, that these things are good, but that we get to the place where we experience it. And I like that concerning almost everything we talk about in here. I don't want to leave it in theory land. I don't want to leave it out there and, yeah, that's a statement that I believe in. I want to experience God. I want to experience His goodness, all that He promised me, everything that He wants to take place. And that's where we're going. Praise God. And so, uh, He said, you'll not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so she saw, and it goes on to say, she saw the tree was good for food, and yada, yada, all these things. She ate, she gave to her husband Adam, who who was with her there, and he ate. And their eyes were opened and so forth. And they made fig leaves and yada, yada, yada. Okay. It's interesting to note though, sometimes you see this in the Bible, good and evil. We might say it sometimes good and bad, but it really means the same thing. Good and evil. If there is, if there is bad happening in your life, it's another word, way to say that. There is evil happening in your life. I mean, that sounds worse, doesn't it? Sometimes we think, ah, this bad stuff, that, that might be the will of God. No, 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 it's evil. It's the, it, it's the exact opposite of who God is and what He wants to do. So again now, we can see here that Satan will always try to get you to question what God has said. But we should recognize the origin of all thoughts contrary to God's Word so we can resist them. All right, he'll, ha- he'll help us to get things out of perspective, to take things out of context, to where ultimately God is accused at the end of the story. Ultimately, when we get done with our experience, we think God did us wrong, we think He did evil or bad, but we'll ca- we wouldn't say that directly because we know that's not Christian, to say that God's evil or bad. We'll just believe it deep down in it, <laughs> and we'll say God is good and be irked. And we want to clear this up. 
And we want to get this all nice and, and clarified and understood. But he'll try to get us to focus on the wrong things. And one of the strategies you can see here of the, of the enemy is to get people to believe that God is holding something back from them. To get people to believe. He tried to get them to believe that, you know, God and all his creation and all this kind of stuff made all this stuff. But he won't let you have something. He won't let you know things that you should know. He doesn't want you to have these experiences. And that has been translated in, in our lives in many different ways. People have this assumption that if I serve God fully, completely, I'm going to miss out on a lot of good things in life. I mean, isn't that, isn't that a big lie? But how many times that subtle belief that if I sell out, if I give my heart and life fully to Him, if I do whatever He says, if I walk with God, I'm not going to have as much fun in life. My life is going to be kind of dull. I'm going to be one of those radical Christians. <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to be able to enjoy, it, enjoy life anymore. That's a lie of the enemy to drive a wedge between you and God's goodness because when you are close to Him and you're experiencing Him, it can't get any better than that. You, you, know, you know, a lot of times people think this about heaven. Maybe you've had these thoughts, but people sometimes think about heaven, they think, boring. They have these images from TV and stuff of sitting on a cloud and playing a harp. Or they have, you know, they have this ominous nothingness out there and I guess it's good it's heaven and and uh how long is this going to last though <laughs> you know like oh, how long do we do this and they hear eternity it's like oh ah oh, oh, I can't really understand eternity but it sounds long <laughs> and literally there are people I've heard this people say this they say it joking sometime but people have this idea that that hell is going to be a party they say, well, you know, I might not be going to heaven, but I'm going where the party is. Uh, bad news? No party's going on in hell. At all. Ever. And good news, heaven? Let's not even entertain the thought that it's going to be boring. I know it's, compre- it's hard to comprehend eternity. <laughs> hard to comprehend what in the world are we going to do a million years from now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But in the presence of the Lord... There is fullness of joy. There are pleasures at His right hand forevermore. I tell you, there is not going to be a dull moment in eternity. It is going to be a full forever. And I can't even comprehend it, but I know this. God is good. He's got stuff planned. And listen, let's come back down into into now and here in this life. This is where we're at. When someone serves the Lord fully... Their life doesn't go down. They're not less exciting. They are filled with the joy and peace of God. It's something that goes beyond any natural experience. Let's not entertain the lie for a moment that God is withholding stuff from us. If I live for Him, He won't let me experience some fun stuff, some good stuff. No, just the opposite is true. Whenever we give our lives to Him, we experience more. And to whatever degree we hold our heart back, we hold our our commitment back from Him, to that degree we cut ourselves off from His goodness. We cut ourselves off from a better life. 
from a better experience of His life in us. Amen. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 with me. There are thoughts that are going to come against us. You know, people wonder in the midst of situations like uh, massive storms that cause flooding. and There are thoughts that are going to come to many people as to the origin and the reason for those things. Many of them are wrong. They're false. If at any time we define a circumstance personally or globally, we define it and God ends up looking like the bad guy, we've misdefined it. We've misunderstood it. Okay? It doesn't mean that in the absence of that misdefinition that you have all the answers. But I'm saying this, I would encourage us all to stay with the foundation, and we'll get the answers, okay? We'll get to the answers. Stay with the foundation that God is good. And if I don't feel drawn toward Him as a result of any explanation, I'm not accepting the explanation. Because He is good beyond what I would do. He is good beyond what any good person would do. It's the language Jesus used when comparing a natural father's love to his child compared to the father above. How much more will he do good things to those who ask him? Okay. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. 10, 13. Notice what it says here. Uh, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God, who is faithful... God is faithful, who who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now let me tell you real quick what this scripture doesn't say. This verse does not say that God won't put on you more than you can handle. It's commonly quoted that way. Uh, Many times people have come to me and said those very words, as they describe their difficult situation, they say, well, I know that God will never put on us more than we can handle. And usually that's when I say, what verse is that? Because we have accepted many things that just aren't true. And God has been accused of so many things that He had nothing to, be, had nothing to do with. The Bible doesn't say God's putting anything on you. My, the, the First John, a little bit later, says that every good and perfect gift come down from above from the Father of lights. Every what? Every good? Well, why would a good thing come from God? Well, because He's good. Every good and perfect gift come down from Him. But yet, so often, every evil and lame thing he, that, that happens in people's lives immediately get attributed to Him. As if He's involved in 100% of all that happens in the earth. They've forgotten the gap. They've forgotten the space between... His character, His nature, His will, what God does, and what we experience, they're not automatically the same. But we can learn to make them the same. We can learn to experience His goodness in every situation of life. But God's basically saying here, hey, if something is too big or too strong or is going to overcome you, something that you're not able to overcome, I'm not going to allow it to happen. But anything and everything that comes your way, you can have victory over it. 
You can. There's a way of escape. You can get out of this situation. God's grace and ability are present for us to overcome. That's the clear picture of who He is. Amen. I didn't see anyone come to Jesus. And, he's, and he, said, he looked at him and said, You know, you look like you're doing really well. You're healthy. You're happy. You're strong. You're blessed. Take this. <laughs> let, me give you a, let me give you a few trials to deal with in life. And uh, just because I like you. It's like, go away from me. No. Good is not mysterious. Good is not a mysterious thing. It's just good. It's contrary to bad or evil. It's not something we have to have spiritual eyes to recognize. We understand what good is. We understand what bad things are. We understand. Let's call what is, is. Call a spade a spade. Let's say what it is and just leave it at that and not try to come up with some mystical, spiritual definition for everything to try to get God off the hook. I, I'm, not, I'm not okay with some of these explanations of things that are put out in public that make me not want to draw near to God, but make me want to back off and say, I don't know about Him. I'm not, even, I'm not okay with... Uh, someone might say, well, you know, you're suffering. You have to understand from God's perspective that uh, He's looking at the big picture. He's looking at eternity. And your few years of suffering, that's just nothing. Well, I understand perspective. And with the Lord, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. But He still made me, created me, where I understand that a day is a day. A week is a week. And I'm to have an eternal perspective as well, but it's, a month is still a month. And if it's a painful month, that's a really bad month. Everybody with me today? I don't just accept the, the premise that, oh, so God's seeing the big picture, and because my life is pathetic in every way, I'm okay with it because God's, you know, He's just looking from the big picture. God also understands a minute, a Ten minutes, an hour, a day, and His goodness wants to invade every moment of our lives, every time frame, to where that our week is good, our month is blessed by Him. And there's the, the hand of God is upon our our youth and our our middle years, our our, our older years. Uh, you know, His goodness wants to be in everything, and I don't want to dismiss this by saying, "Well, you know, God is just looking from the big picture. God's into the details too." Yeah, he sees the beginning from the end. But God wants to minister to us in so many ways that are, that are uh, in, in every way and in every time frame. Okay? Uh, there are many people that don't serve God today because of tragedies in their personal lives. There are those who are even well known in our society that at one time had a, at least a belief in God. Don't, I don't personally know if they had a relationship with Him. Had a belief in God, but something tragic happened with a loved one, something horrible happened in their life, and they were unable to explain it. They were unable to uh, answer the why question. And many times, good meaning, but those that lack knowledge in places of spiritual authority have come in to answer, and their answers were insufficient. Their answers were hollow. Their answers were just not the, they're not correct and there are those that that are adamant atheists and 
And uh, they're adamantly opposed to God today. And that's where it started. I'm not ready to look someone in the, in the eye who's had a, just a horrible situation and say, well, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Mm. I know it's not going to work for them. And I know it's not going to change anything. The only, you know, beyond that, it's just not true. I don't mean there's no mystery. I don't know everything. But I mean, God has shown himself to us and given us the ways that he worked. And we start off from this foundation that God is good. And if something is just wrecking havoc in this world, it's not his plan. Not his will. And he will help us to overcome and give us a way of escape. And give us a way out to experience his goodness. The word good, it means from different Greek and Hebrew words, it means pleasant, beautiful. It means excellent. It means rich. It means well, appropriate, beneficial, happy, honest, honorable. It means right. God is, He's good. He is all these things. And in every event of God's direction for you, whenever you discover Okay, this is the will of God. This is the plan. This is what God wants me to do. Know this, that He's good. And He's not leading you into failure. He's not leading you into destruction. He's leading you into, into good things. He only wants good things for your life. I know we're in a, in a, in a world where there's persecution and there's, there's those things that come against the believer. But even in the middle of that, God wants to show Himself strong in your life to bring good things to pass. Praise God. And it will be difficult to serve Him and to commit fully him to, to Him if these things aren't a reality and explained clearly. Now, if I've raised any questions, then I've done my job today. That was my goal. I want to declare accurately to you the character and nature of God, His will for your life. And then let's see the rest through that lens, because it's clear, because it's right. Amen.